J.C. Ryle's Devotional Thoughts on the Gospel of Luke Section 34 Love for Enemies Luke chapter 6 verses 27 through 38 But I say unto you which hear, Love your enemies, do good to them which hate you, bless them that curse you, and pray for them which despitefully use you. And unto him that smite thee on one cheek, offer also the other. And him that taketh away thy cloak, forbid not to take thy coat also. Give to every man that asketh of thee. And of him that taketh away thy goods, ask them not again. And as ye would that men should do to you, do ye also to them likewise. For if ye love them which love you, what thank have ye? For sinners also love those that love them. And if ye do good to them which do good to you, what thank have ye? For sinners also do even the same. And if ye lend to them of whom ye hope to receive, what thank have ye? For sinners also lend to sinners, to receive as much again. But love ye your enemies, and do good and lend, hoping for nothing again, and your reward shall be great. And ye shall be the children of the highest, for he is kind unto the unthankful and to the evil. Be therefore merciful, as your Father also is merciful. Judge not, and ye shall not be judged. Condemn not, and ye shall not be condemned. Forgive, and ye shall be forgiven. Give, and it shall be given unto you. Good measure, pressed down and shaken together and running over, shall men give into your bosom. For with the same measure that ye meet withal, it shall be measured to you again. The teaching of our Lord Jesus Christ in these verses is confined to one great subject. That subject is Christian charity or love. Charity, which is the grand characteristic of the gospel. Charity, which is the bond of perfectness. Charity, without which a man is nothing in God's sight. Charity is here fully expounded and strongly enforced. Well would it have been for the Church of Christ if its master's precept in this passage had been more carefully studied and more diligently observed. In the first place, our Lord explains the nature and extent of Christian charity. The disciples might ask, Whom are we to love? He bids them to love their enemies, do good to those who hate them, bless those who curse them, and pray for those who despitefully use them. Their love was to be like his own love towards sinners, unselfish and uninfluenced by any hope of return. The disciples might ask, what was to be the manner of this love? It was to be self-sacrificing and self-denying. If someone smites you on the one cheek, turn the other cheek to him as well. If someone takes your cloak, do not stop him from taking your shirt as well. They were to give up much and endure much for the sake of showing kindness and avoiding strife. They were to forego even their rights and submit to wrong rather than awaken angry passions and create quarrels. In this, they were to be like their master patient, meek, and lowly of heart.
the second place, our Lord lays down a golden principle for the settlement of doubtful cases. He knew well that there will always be occasions when the line of duty towards our neighbor is not clearly defined. He knew how much self-interest and private feelings will sometimes dim our perceptions of right and wrong. He supplies us with a precept for our guidance in all such cases of infinite wisdom, a precept which even infidels have been compelled to admire. Do unto others as you would have them do unto you. To do to others as they do to us and to return evil for evil is the standard of the heathen. To behave to others as we would like others to behave to us, whatever their actual behavior may be, this should be the mark at which the Christian should aim. This is to walk in the steps of our blessed Savior. If he had dealt with the world as the world dealt with him, we would have all been ruined forever in hell. In the third place, our Lord points out to his disciples the necessity of their having a higher standard of duty to their neighbor than the people of this world. He reminds them that to love those who love them and to do good to those who do good to them and lend to those of whom they hope to receive is to act no better than the sinner who knows nothing of the gospel. The Christian must be altogether another style of man. His feelings of love and his deeds of kindness must be like his master's, free and gracious. He must let men see that he loves others from higher principles than the ungodly do, and that his charity is not confined to those from whom he hopes to get something in return. Anybody can show kindness and charity when he hopes to gain something by it. But such charity should never content a Christian. The man who is content with it ought to remember that his practice does not rise an inch above the level of an old Roman or Greek idolater. In the fourth place, our Lord shows his disciples that in discharging their duty to their neighbors, they should look to the example of God. If they call themselves children of the highest, then they should consider that their father is kind to the unthankful and the evil, and they should learn from him to be merciful even as he is merciful. The extent of God's unacknowledged mercies to man can never be reckoned up. Every year he pours benefits on millions who do not honor the hand from which they come or thank the giver of them. Yet every year these benefits are continued. Seed time and harvest, summer and winter, never cease. His mercy endures forever. His loving-kindness is unwearied. His compassions never fail. So ought it to be with all who profess themselves to be his children. Thanklessness and ingratitude should not make them slacken their hands from works of love and mercy. Like their Father in heaven, they should never be tired of doing good. In the last place, our Lord assures his disciples that the practice of the high standard of charity he recommends shall bring its own reward. Do not judge, 
and you'll not be judged. Do not condemn, and you will not be condemned. Forgive, and you will be forgiven. Give, and it will be given to you. And he concludes with the broad assertion, for with the measure you use, it will be measured unto you. The general meaning of these words appears to be that no man shall ever be a loser in the long run by deeds of self-denying charity and love. At times he may seem to get nothing by his Christ-like conduct. He may appear to reap nothing but ridicule, contempt, and injury. His kindness may sometimes tempt men to take advantage of him. His patience and forbearance may be abused. But at the last he will always be found a gainer. Often, very often, a gainer in this life. Certainly, most certainly, a gainer in the life to come. Such is the teaching of our Lord Jesus Christ about charity. Few of his sayings are so deeply heart-searching as those we've now been considering. Few passages in the Bible are so truly humbling as these eleven verses. How little of the style of charity which our Lord recommends is to be seen, either in the world or in the church. How common is an angry, passionate spirit, a morbid sensitiveness about what is called our rights, and a readiness to quarrel on the least occasion. How seldom we see men and women who love their enemies and do good, hoping for nothing in return, and bless those who curse them and are kind to the unthankful and evil. Truly, we are reminded here of our Lord's words, Narrow is the way which leads unto life, and few there be who find it. Matthew chapter 7, verse 13. How happy the world would be if Christ's precepts were strictly obeyed. The chief causes of half the sorrows of mankind are selfishness, strife, unkindness, and lack of love. Never was there a greater mistake than to suppose that vital Christianity interferes with human happiness. It is not having too much religion, but too little, which makes people gloomy, wretched, and miserable. Wherever Christ is best known and obeyed, there will always be found most real joy and peace. Would we know anything by experience of this blessed grace of charity? Then let us seek to be joined to Christ by faith and to be taught and sanctified by His Spirit. We do not gather grapes from thorn bushes or figs from thistles. We cannot have flowers without roots or fruit without trees. In the same way, we cannot have the fruit of the Spirit without vital union with Christ and a new creation within. Such as are not born again can never really love in the manner which Christ enjoins. <laughs>